Welcome to the Which Is More Gooder podcast. I am your host, Scott White, and I have a first-time guest on the show. Please introduce yourself. I'm Cassie Randall. Cassie and I, we are both part of the Houston improv scene. Yes. And uh, when we met, she was very, very mean to me. (gasps) What? I I said I was a Dallas Stars fan, and she physically attacked me with a pipe. And I would for any Dallas Stars fan. (laughs) I'd do it again. I know. No regrets. (laughs) Usually on the Witches More Gooder podcast, what we do is we will take two separate entities and then compare them. Here we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do the 1982 movie Creep Show, which was an anthology. It had five different stories. So what's going? To, we're going to talk about each different story, and then we are going to decide which we think is more gooder out of the five. So first of all, are you a horror fan? Oh, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) Did you know about Creepshow? I did not until you told me about it. Okay, so it came about... (laughs) uh, So a little backstory here. On your Facebook page, you posted, where is the worst place to find a roach, I believe. Yes. And people responding. And then I responded with a clip from the movie. And and you were like, exactly. And once we get to that, if you have, uh, if you've listened to this, you've probably seen Creep Show, but we'll talk about it when we get to that point. Yeah, so I was like, okay, well, if you haven't seen, I told you about the movie, and I'm like, let's do it. So that's why we're here. So are you a Stephen King fan? Not in particular. Okay. He 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 can be good. You're you're absolutely right. <laughs> he can be good, and he can also be very bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so and are you familiar with George Romero's work? The the design. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So usually in an anthology movie, it's usually different. It's like four different stories and with different directors. But George uh, Stephen King wrote the screenplay to this, and George directed all of them. So it sort of has a, co- a cohesive feel about it that uh-huh. you don't usually get. So we open with uh, Creep Show. It's a father yelling at his son for having a copy of a comic book. And see, I thought it was going to be porn. <laughs> well, so <laughs> the way he was talking about it, he's like this trash, and like it was like rolled up, right? We right, didn't it see was rolled it until up. the end, and, and he and his son is like, "You have it in your drawer." Yeah, right. <laughs> now the the son, that is Stephen King's real life son. Oh, really? Who goes by <laughs> Joe Hill now? Does uh, does he want to disown the King name? I don't know. It's I guess it's like you want to make it on your own. Okay. Are you familiar with the movie, what, the the Ethan Hawke recent movie Black Mask? Yes. He wrote that. No. Stephen King's son did. Yes, Stephen King's son wrote that. Okay. Son might potentially outdo father. Maybe. Maybe. Is he gonna keep going? I'll tell you what. If you take a picture, he looks exactly like his dad. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He looks exactly like... You could name yourself anything. When people see that face, they're going to know whose son you are. And Um, and he's like, no, he's not my... (gasps) My mom was a fan. Met him one time at a concert. That's that's my phone. That's me being very unprofessional. That's my phone. I'm going to turn it off. I'm on Do Not Disturb. I know. You came prepared. Leave it to a Dallas Stars fan, Scott. I'm actually a Red Wings fan. Oh, okay. I can take that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm from Michigan. I'm a Red Wings fan. Yeah, it's his father chastising his son for having this 
comic book. And the father is played by Tom Atkins. And he is sort of like B-horror royalty. Okay. He's He's been in a lot of John Carpenter movies. Yes. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's the kind of actor where he plays... He's like, he's the lead role in B films, okay. but he'll have like supporting role in A films. So he's, he's been all over the spectrum. And that, that makes like the B role fans happy. They're like, yes. oh, there's my guy. There's my guy. Okay. Tom Atkins is sort of like, he's got this, uh, he's sort of like the final girl. He usually makes it to the end of horror movies okay. and men usually don't, yeah. but he does. But anyway, <laughs> it's nice to see him in this cameo. There are a lot of really good ones. I'm There's excited to talk about them. There's a lot of really good ones. Yes, absolutely. So we get the credits, and it's sort of, so this movie is. Well, it was before the credits. His son was all like, "I hope you burn in hell." Like I was like, "Okay." Yeah. That's that's the a bit son's, much. The but... son's a bit of a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> but now, and something we probably wouldn't see nowadays, we actually see him slap his son. Yeah. And and during the rest of the scene, there's a smark on his face. So that's probably... So he literally did? No, no. Uh, but in the scene, we see him slap his son. Yeah. I don't think we was... I, okay. I, that's, <laughs> no, he didn't do it really. He didn't do it real on set. Take but, 72. Yeah. Oh, they're Alfred Hitchcocking it. <laughs> yes. Stanley Kubrick it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> I just wanted to say cocking. It's a... Yeah. That was on purpose. <laughs> But then the boy sees the, the creep show, yeah. the, the game out, yeah, out outside, the and then we go into, he turns into a cartoon, and then we get the opening credits, and then we go into the first one, Father's Day. Yeah. So the gist of this is, this wealthy family has this wealthy... The, uh, uh, I was a little confused about who was who, because like there's Aunt Bedelia, and then I guess there was the mom, and they were like the same age. Th- so those were Aunt Bedelia and the mom were sisters. Okay, I thought so. It was hard to tell, because she was it, very it, quiet. Uh, I had it turned up to 100, and I, I couldn't it, hear. Yes, so I wanted to mention that. <laughs> they're, sp- they're speaking, the two uh, elderly women, older women, I should say, in this, in this scene... <laughs> They're speaking with odd accents, uh-huh. and one is speaking very, very softly. I know. And it was, I had to turn it up, too. I had, I had it to 100, yeah. and I got neighbors on the other side <laughs> of the wall. I was like, oh, boy. And then the Foley was like 10 times as yes. loud as her. <laughs> one of the sisters murdered their dad yes. on Father's Day. Yes. He deserved it. He deserved it. <laughs> now, this is, a, this is a movie about comeuppance, and I love comeuppance. <laughs> I love it when people get their comeuppance. <laughs> He's just this miserable son of a bitch, and he's just... Smacking his cane and, on his chair. I want my cake! Oh, my God. And she hits him with a ashtray yeah. and kills him. And it's like a granite or marble ashtray. Which, that ashtray appears in every single story. I didn't catch that. Yes, it does. That's cool. That ashtray appears in every single story. I got a question about that ashtray. Okay. Is that a little Buddha in the ashtray? I don't because there's a Buddha in the cockroach one. Yes. Right? Oh, no, not the cockroach one. The one with um, Leslie, Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen. Um, and so I was like, oh, that's a bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a juxtaposition. Buddha, peace. Yeah. You know, hitting somebody. Murder. I, I, I wouldn't put it past him. That, <laughs> yeah. that would. So it's been seven years. And every year on Father's Day, Aunt Bedelia comes, visits the grave, and then she has dinner with the family. Yeah. Why Father's Day? Because that was the day of the tragedy. When she is overwhelmed with her own guilt. She will go to her father's grave and meditate for about an hour. 
And then she will come inside and we will all sit down to a nice baked ham dinner. The three of us. Oh, I'm so sorry, Henry. The four of us who now owe her so very much. And the family is her sister and her... Niece and nephew. Yes, yeah. and her niece and nephew. And the niece has married Ed Harris. With hair! Young Ed Harris, yeah, Ed Harris with hair! <laughs> he popped up and I was like, oh my god, it's Ed Harris with hair. That's in my notes. Ed Harris with Ed, hair! Ed, Ed Harris with hair. <laughs> he seems out of place to me because this, these people seem like upper crust, snooty people. And he, he's dressed in jeans and a flannel shirt. He's the kind of guy who drinks an open bottle of liquor off the ground in a yes. graveyard. <laughs> he's the kind of guy that he, he carries around these self-striking matches, so he smokes. Yeah. And he, it's like in the 50s when they would strike the match with their thumb. Yeah. So he, I was watching with Connor, and he pointed that out. He's like, wow, they really like these quick-striking matches. Yeah. They keep showing them. <laughs> so he seems out of place amongst these people yeah and then they tell you know they tell him the story and then aunt bedelia shows up and she goes you can up, set her your watch you by her six, <laughs> p, uh, six yeah six o'clock i think so yes you can set your watch she, and she comes up in this english rolls royce because the steering wheel is on the other side of the car uh-huh. she's smoking a cigar yeah and it looked like it was in a like a like a stem. What is that called? Like a handle stem? It's like yes. A, yeah. What is that called? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's called a Hitchcock. It's called a Hitchcock. <laughs> uh, and she's got a bottle of Jim Beam, uh-huh. and she's walking with a cane, and she's wearing pantyhose, and one is pulled up, and one is pulled down. So it's like it, it's a it's a rough. She's lived a rough life, yeah. but she's rich. She goes out to the grave, and she starts talking to the. Tombstone, her father's tombstone. She angrily rips off a flower that happens to be standing there and then, like, pulls out all the dead flowers, I guess, from the year before and then drops that new flower in there. Yeah. Yeah. Later on, I was like, why would you bring a flower? And what's the level of profanity allowed in this? Gold. Okay. It's like, why would you bring a fucking flower when you know what your dad wants? (laughs) Yeah. Bring him a goddamn cake. It's Father's Day. Anyway, I was like, oh, that's a bad choice. <laughs> but she's drinking the Jim Beam, and it spills. And it's like, did the Jim Beam bring him back? Or... Oh, yeah, because, like, what makes this year special? That's what, I, yeah. I got that in my notes. Yeah. Seven years. Why seven years? Yeah, she's why? there every year. She's there every year. I don't, that was in my notes, too. Why did this, why is it seven years? Why is it not five? Why is it not ten? But seven. Yeah, or, like, the next year when it's still fresh in his mind. Or the first year, right. Yeah. When he, um. <laughs> no, I had the exact same thought. Why this year? Maybe it was the and Jim maybe Beam. it was the Jim Beam. I like that. And he comes <laughs> and he does his uh, uh, Carrie asking, you know, uh, out of the grave. And he's got a great voice. Well, okay, so I want to. He's got a great. It seems like the same voice is used here and in the first three. They all have that gravelly voice. We'll talk about okay, it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want my cake. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like it seems goopy. like uh, it seems like Aunt Bedelia <laughs> didn't do a whole lot to get out of there. I know she was, I know she was lame. I know she had a cane, but it just seemed like she just sort of rolled onto her back like a turtle and couldn't get up. And it was well, maybe it's a curse of the grave site because yes, Mister Mister Harris, Ed Harris with maybe hair. Sur- maybe maybe that's. <laughs> I was watching him, and I was like, what are you doing, man? Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure um, we'll get there. 
and he and father crawls out and there's excellent cinematography in this movie mm-hmm. and they they shot it like and while we bring it up we see comic book frames yeah which very very cool and i like how they did that at the beginning and then it kind of like eased out right right a little bit a little, a bit. little it bit. wasn't yeah it wasn't hitting you over the head with the comic yeah book stuff. Like, yeah i don't know if you've ever seen the first hulk movie they shot it like a, a comic book and it okay. did, threw the whole movie and it didn't work. Okay. This works perfectly. Yeah, because the opening credits is like super comic book and mm-hmm. then it kind of like 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 eases you and it kind of like tones down. Tones it down. Where it has little pops of flavor like later on. Right, because but... so when he pops out of the, the grave, it's like a nice red background yeah. behind him. Yeah. And, and he strangles Aunt Bedelia. And <laughs> so we cut back inside and, and they're, they're dancing I know what was that? I'm like, what are you guys on? <laughs> I don't know because it's not like it's the three of them. Like, there's the three like... of them, and two of them are dancing. I'm what mid mid thirties? Yeah, yeah. And they um, like club it's not dancing. Like, it's not like yeah, it's not like you're uh, 22, 23, but they're clubbed. And... It'd be kind of weird for 22, 23. You're there with your Maybe. mom and but your mom... sibling. <laughs> She's just sitting there, like judgmentally. Ju- like. Yes, and her hair is down now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the son, the nephew, was a drunk. Okay. Um, and not a very good actor. No. <laughs> Were th- I, I don't know if he was playing gay. I kind of got that, like, oh, 1982 gay, you yeah, know? I, yeah, he, I don't know if he was playing gay or if he was, if he was trying to just play upper crust. It, he came, Yeah, I, I know that he was drinking whole bottles of wine yeah. at a time and, and mentioning them, but he didn't play drunk very well. No. He had other things going on, and that, that's kind of the direction I went yeah. with. I was like, okay. <laughs> well, they get done dancing, and they're like, where's Aunt uh, Bedelia? It's like it's like three hours later. Yeah, right. It's, <laughs> like, it's dark out. Yeah, now. it's gone from light to dark. <laughs> and they're just like, huh? But the she's night... still in the graveyard. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she lost track of time. Ed Harris goes out, who's never met her. I know he's not family. He's not family. <laughs> now, now to be truthful, it's like the family are shit. Yes. Because I don't the, the fa- I don't think the family would have gone out yeah. after. And Ed Harris. Ed Harris seems like an. A nice guy. I once again, I don't see how he got involved with these people. You can tell he's a nice guy from the jeans. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I don't know how tall Ed is, but Ed's wearing uh, <laughs> cowboy boots with heels like he's got like his three-inch cowboy boots on. Do you mind if I look that up? Real go right, yeah, okay. go right ahead. Look I'm gonna up. look up how tall Ed Harris is. Well, he wanders out into the graveyard looking for Aunt Bedelia. Yeah, he's five nine. Five nine. Okay, that's. That's about average, typical. That's yeah, average yeah. after height, yeah. But yeah, so he goes wandering out. But yeah, like I put in my notes, why doesn't the biological family go after it? And he has no idea what she looks like, right? Yeah, well, and, I, I guess there's not going to be anybody else in the graveyard. Yeah, but, <laughs> but how does he know where the tombstone is? I guess he's just wandering out there, like calling for her and hoping she'll right. answer. Well, because, I guess so, because he's lighting matches. Yeah, he's lighting matches like crazy. Trying to look. <laughs> He should have lit a cigar and used the ember. Yeah. <laughs> he he finds the grave. Father must have put the dirt back in because if he wandered upon it and saw it, yeah. like somebody burst it open, it would have shocked him. But you're right. So he finds a bottle of Jim Beam. <laughs> he picks it up. He sniffs it. It's open. Yeah. It's on its side in the dirt in a graveyard for who knows how long. Mm. Who knows what kinds of germs are on there. It is the 80s. Yes. <laughs> picks it up. He sniffs it. And then he gives a little like comedic like, 
huh, shrug. <laughs> and then he just starts to go for it. <laughs> and then the, the earth gives way under his boots and yes. he falls under the tombstone. Yeah, it's, the, it's, the pillar, the Hitchcock. Pillar. Yes, the Hitchcock. <laughs> from, the, from now on, everything... Everything that I don't know is a and I mess up is a Hitchcock. <laughs> so it starts like... It starts shaking. Yeah. And he's just and he's, laying there. And he's the... <laughs> <laughs> to me, maybe, and once again, I don't know what I've done in that. First of all, I wouldn't have yeah. drank from a bottle. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> to me, it would have been like, get out of there as yeah. quick as possible. Yeah, he's just laying there. I want to go back in time how long that little bit was because I want to believe it's the better part of at least a minute. He's just there. It's like shifting, yeah. shifting. He's, he's like, shift- ah. I, I think he's thinking that. Like, if he moves quickly, it's going to... I think he thinks he's jostling it somehow. Uh, so move real fast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ed Harris, I'm sorry if you can't move real fast. Yes. That, that hair was weighing him down. That, that's right. <laughs> he's only 5'9". Five, 5'9 nine. Five, nine people don't move quick. Uh, he, and he tries to get out, and then Aunt Bedelia rolls on top of him. <laughs> and then he sees Dad, uh-huh. the zombie, and you were talking about the sound, mm-hmm. and it's... The Hitchcock <laughs> starts to topple on him, and we hear him go, ah! Yeah. And it's just, it's great. <laughs> yes. It's just a great sound yes, effect. Yes, yes. I, I, you know, I love comeuppance, but I sort of get sad Ed when... Harris didn't deserve no, it. No, he didn't. He didn't. Out of all the people that should have walked away. Yeah. You know, like, make it that the whole family is dead, and he gets the inherit. you know... He, yeah. Or something like that. Because he's related now. He is related. <laughs> The father makes his way into the house, and once again, so the three, so the but, mom. But, but real quick, I have a theory about okay. why Aunt Bedelia and Ed Harris, I don't even remember the, the character name. I don't either. <laughs> so it could be the space around the, the gravesite. Mm-hmm. What if it's the Jim Beam? It brought Dad back to life. And then it it paralyzed Bedelia and Ed Harris. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's it's marketing for Jim Beam. It's Jim Beam. <laughs> if you miss your dead relatives, go pour some Jim Beam yeah. on their gravesite. And then if you want to kill somebody, pour them a shot of Jim Beam. <laughs> we go back into the house, and now everybody's like, "Where is he? Where where is she?" None of them. They don't go. care. They, they care, but they don't. They don't. They. They care because it's affecting them. They're hungry. They right. want to eat. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then um, like when the, the, the chef comes out earlier, she's like, I'll start like basting the ham. She's like, no, we need to. Have... And I'm like, basting a ham and cooking a ham is going to take a while. You should probably start basting the ham. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they're there. They're all. Yeah. So it's, it's the mom and the niece and the nephew. Yeah. They're all in there. The mom goes into the kitchen looking for the maid or the cook. Yeah. And the lights are off. The lights are off, and it's got this blue hue on it, and it looks real great. They do a really great job with saturated like blues and reds yes. throughout this, and I really like. I like the yeah. I like the contrast. Yeah. It's a really really nice job. Yeah, it's a really good looking movie. Yeah. So she walks into the the kitchen, and the the kitchen door is heavy. <laughs> it's like in a restaurant. Yeah. Where they, like, yeah. Like, like where the staff comes in and out, they have these the, the circle the circle the window. <laughs> And the maid's face comes up. She like she like leans forward, and her nose legit spreads legit, out. Yes, and I'm and, like, wow, they don't care about what she looks I be, like. <laughs> and I first thought 
that the maid didn't deserve. However, but she was in the house when Aunt Bedelia killed him. Yeah, yeah. So maybe he felt that she deserved it because she was there. That's rude. She's just doing her job. She's just working. <laughs> the mom walks into the kitchen and dad is there. I want my kid. He's all goopy. He's all goopy. <laughs> and there's uh, yeah. apparently there was, it was a combination of Rice Krispie and real maggots oh my God. on his face. I hope they paid him a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't. The, I'm sure that guy wasn't the old man actor playing the playing the old man in the original. Fair, fair, fair. He's a stunt man. He's done that. He's used to maggots. He's used to maggots. On That's his why face. he got into the business is to have maggots on his face. And Dad twists. So this is his daughter. Yeah. So he's murdered one daughter, and he murders his other daughter. Yeah. Twists her head off. Very effectively. Yes. Efficiently. Very effectively, very efficiently. And it, as, as quickly as Ed Harris should have yes, moved. Yes, if Ed Harris would have, would have moved as quickly as a zombie, he'd be alive today. Yeah. All, he'd be bald, but he'd still be alive. It's the ghost of Ed Harris. He it's, lost it's his hair, hair in life. Hair. So he, he snaps her neck with an efficient snap. And then, and then we go, and then it's the the, the son and the daughter, uh, you know, brother and sister. Yeah. They're arguing, so they're gonna go search for Ed Harris, and he's outside. So naturally, they start looking for him in the kitchen. Of course, of course, that's where you would start. Because <laughs> he's wearing jeans, he he's... probably is part of the help. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they forgot that they he's, forgot. The he's the husband. <laughs> so they they walk into the kitchen, and Dad has. Ma has his daughter's head on a tray with candles, with candles and icing on top. Yeah, I finally got my cake. Yeah, the over-the-top acting. I'm sure they were asked to do it that yeah, way. And, yeah, and that's it. That's the first one. That's Father's yeah. Day. I was like, but I was confused. How do you eat a head as a cake? That's messy. Uh, anyway, I was like, okay, cool. Okay, so that was the first one. So now we go to the, and by the way, the transitions from one story to another yeah. is it's animation where the, the, at the beginning of the movie, the father is throwing the comic book away. Uh, the wind has taken the comic book. So it's, we see it flipping through the neighborhood. Yeah. It's, it ends up over by like a gutter. Right? right. And then it opens up to the next story in the comic book, which is what we see. And it's cool in the in-between because it's flipping around and it's showing like advertisements. X-ray glasses. And, yeah. Like uh, it's uh, like a comic it? book. Yes. Like a comic book. It's the, cool. uh, the uh, Charles Atlas. You know, uh, are you tired of being a wimp at the beach? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I had a lot of fun with that. And then also with the comic book, um, every first frame is the comic book version of that that fades into the, yes. the the live action. And I was wondering if the comic book, if the artist had fun doing that. Oh, like, I'm sure he did. Like, um, like uh, replicating it or if he's like, man, I wish I could just make up my own stuff. <laughs> but it looked, I was impressed every time. Uh, then the next one is The Lonesome Death of Jordy <laughs> Virrell. Viral or viril? Viral. And this is this is just Stephen King. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the top question on my notes is: Is this when Stephen King was addicted to cocaine? <laughs> that was around the time to clear things up. From what I, Stephen King was told, play him like Wile E. Coyote right before he runs off a cliff. Okay. That's how he was told to play this character. 
Because I saw him as Hills Have Eyes Stephen King. <laughs> yeah. So Stephen King is this hillbilly out in the middle of nowhere and a meteor comes. This is labeled a horror comedy. Uh-huh. This, this is the most comedic uh-huh. out of all the stories. It's fair. This meteor falls and he starts fantasizing about what he can do with this meteor. It's like, I could probably get $200 for it. It's like, he's saying as his jaw is like working around and he's got one cross eye. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was uncomfortable to watch. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yeah. He, he touches the meteor with his fingers and he burns him. Uh-huh. Like, oh, it's really hot. I should, like, cool it down. (laughs) So he he pours a bucket of water on it. It splits. Mm -hmm. Because you don't do that. You don't do that. No. (laughs) He doesn't know science. He doesn't know anything. (laughs) And and it splits, and he's like, oh, shit. Now it's not going to be worth anything, but... And he fantasizes the same guy. He's like, what am I going to do with a broken meteorite? And I'm like... How does he know it's broken? And also, it's a freaking meteorite. Yeah. Like, you're going to study it whether it's in one piece or two. That's so stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, that's his thinking. It's okay, like, yeah. That's the way. Fair. Oh, God. So he pours this. It's got this fluorescent blue juice in it. Yeah. And he pours it on the ground and he puts it. And he should have kept that, too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> stick it in your bucket. <laughs> and he puts it in the bucket and he goes in. This story, it's like usually, and all the others, it's high status usually the people getting it are high status and he is he's very very low status Mm -hmm. uh it's it's very very seldom you see a character like this getting the raw end of the deal with with karma or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. because like i said every other character in this they're they're very rich they're very upper they deserve it he doesn't deserve anything in this. He's just this... Well, we don't know what he's done in well, his past. Yeah. Right? Okay. From what we have seen, yeah. We don't know his past or anything. But from what little we've seen from yeah, this, yeah, he doesn't yeah. deserve what, what happens. He just gets it because he's ignorant. Yeah. But he goes inside, and he starts watching wrestling, <laughs> and he's drinking... Ripple. Ripple, yeah. yes. Apple Cause, Ripple. Because it was covered, and I just saw the Ipple, and I was like, what are you doing, Stephen King? Yes, he's drinking Ripple. But it was Ripple. Uh, <laughs> while he's drinking, he looks down at his two fingers that have touched the mm-hmm. the meteor, and they're growing... Uh, like this mossy green. Moss, mossy gra- yeah. Yeah, grassy green. And He jumps up, and he well, drops his Ripple. Well, first of all, he, oh. he, uh, he, once again, he goes... Oh, his yeah. head, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's gonna have his <laughs> his ha- fingers cut off, amputated. Yeah, and then he and he has this habit of putting his fingers in his mouth. Because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, 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 yeah. <laughs> so he runs to the mirror. He sticks out his tongue, and his tongue is covered in the moss. Mm-hmm. And before he did that, though, he jumped up and he dropped his bottle of Ripple, and it spilled all over his carpet. <laughs> and I was like, "That's a waste." Now you got to clean up your carpet. Yeah, good well, job. From the look of it, he probably, he's probably not cleaning. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. Uh, his his house is. Cool. Uh, <laughs> so he runs and he's got like it on his. So I was thinking as this one progressed, I was like, man, you should have just cut off your fucking fingers. Like you, maybe you would have saved yourself a lot of problems. Except now it's in your tongue. Now you know it's on his tongue. Uh, and cut off your tongue. Moss is growing at an incredible rate around his farmhouse, mm-hmm. and it's growing in his farm. I yeah, out of the hole where the he dumped. The, yes, the out of where the meteorite yeah. hit. Yes, yeah. it's it's spreading. It's coming from there outward. Yeah. And it's covering his house, and we can see him slowly start getting covered more and more in moss. <laughs> his thing to do is he makes himself a giant screwdriver. Vodka and orange juice. Oh, yeah. 
and he just starts drinking and drinking to get drunk. Why a screwdriver? I don't know. I think... <laughs> it, I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Maybe he just wanted to have one on set that day. He's I like, you know so. what? It's a screwdriver kind of day. I wrote this. I'm the only actor. Give me a screwdriver. <laughs> it, most of these are minimal casts. Mm -hmm. I haven't done a lot of acting, but I know if you're the only person in the scene, that's a tough thing to do because everything is on you. You have nobody, nobody else to rely on. Mm -hmm. So... For that part, I thought Stephen King did a decent job of keeping... I kept my interest in him. And he was a consistent character. Yes. Terrible. I didn't like watching this character, <laughs> but he was consistent. <laughs> so he starts to itch, and he's going to take a bath. Yeah. He undresses, and he looks down, and he goes, Oh, no! Not there! Not there! Like, of course, okay, That dude. was funny. That was really funny. Who's going who's gonna to have anything to do with you, even if that's clear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess he hallucinates, and his father appears in the bathroom mirror. Yeah. And he's, his father's <laughs> telling him, if you get into that water, you're you're dead. And he's like, I'm dead. It, it's. It, his dad wasn't very nice to him. No, and I think that's, that's more of the the heartbreak of the whole thing. Yeah. He, I, I'm sure his dad wasn't nice to him in real life. Uh -huh. There was a scene, if Stephen King was a better actor... <laughs> It might have it might have landed better, but Oh no, not there. Tordy. Eddie? Christ, three years almost. You ain't gonna get in that tub, are you? Stop water there at once, Jordy. Don't you let You get in that water, Jordy. You might as well sign your death warrant. I'm a goner already, Daddy. Ain't I? Got the stuff out of that meteor on me. And I'm gone. Ain't I? Daddy? Daddy? It, you know, he gets, I'm dead already, Daddy. And it's mm -hmm. just like, oh. Because um, he was just goofy. Yeah, like, he was just goofy, yeah. goofy. He was just goofy the whole time. And he jumps into the bathtub. And he's like, ah, because oh. he's been real itchy. He's, yeah. And he's just, oh, oh, better, better, yeah. better, better, yeah. better. And, and then it tilts up to the window, so he's there like all night. Yes, because then the sun comes the up. The sun comes up. He the TV has been on the whole time. Yeah, that was interesting. Every time there was something going on, so it started with wrestling, yeah. um, and, and then, then it, it went to evangelist. Yeah, yeah, it was like uh, God. God has a plan for everybody. God has a plan for you. Yeah. So I'm just thinking. Like, like whatever is supposed to happen will happen or something like that. Yes. And I'm like, so what does this say about this poor guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of messed up. Well, then we get the morning farm report and weather report. Yeah. Now, while this is happening, he has totally turned into a, a plant. Yeah. From, um, he looks like he's those, um, those hunting 
uh, outfits that people go out in to like hide in like the yeah. super heavy brush. Yeah. <laughs> he finds his shotgun. So we were talking about the voice of okay. Dad, and, the, and here he's got a voice. Uh-huh. Please, please, God, please, just God. this Listen one time, don't let me mess up because yeah. he's gonna blow his head off. Yeah. And he's he does. He's able to blow his head off. Which was interesting because there was a little there was the blood coming out the back. But because there was so much green all over him, it's like, because, you know, usually you see all kinds of stuff everywhere. You just have to imagine what's happening inside that yeah. moss there. So I thought that was cool. I hadn't seen something like that. Uh, and then we get the weather report where it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to rain. <laughs> and it's going to be, and this Castle Creek is, and I, Castle Creek is, I was going to look it up and I forgot, Stephen King, a castle rock. Stephen King, notoriously, all of us, Place, all of this stuff is set in Maine. Yeah. So yeah. I was just wondering if that. Was, I was just wondering if this was set in Maine. I think so because so it said Portland. Portland. And then it said Boston. Right. And I was like, I immediately thought Portland, Oregon. It's like it's a couple hundred miles that way, and then Boston's a couple hundred miles that mm-hmm. way. Like, are we on some kind of alien planet? Mm-hmm. And then Connor's like, No, it's like Portland, Maine. I was like, Oh God, yes, I got gotcha. you. So I think it was in Maine. <laughs> And it's like, it's going to rain, and we're going to be green for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, end of story. Well, it shows, like, outside. Yes. Yeah, everything's, like, creeping to, like, the road and right. over the road signs and stuff. And it's like, good job, Stephen King's hey. character. <laughs> you <Yeah>, moron. <laughs> then we go to our next one, Something to Tide You Over. Oh, God. And this has two very familiar faces. Yes. I recognized Leslie Nielsen's voice from behind the door before I saw him. I was very proud of myself. This is a pre-Cheers Ted Danson. Okay. I think this was He's 81. very I mean, young. Yes. This was 81. I believe Cheers started in 82. Okay. So this was right before Cheers. Is this in Leslie Nielsen's like serious dramatic acting yes. phase? So he hasn't gone into comedic yet. He had just done Airplane okay. the year before. Okay. Wow. But this was before. For uh, Naked Gun, okay. Police Squad, all the parodies. Okay. So this was, yes. So this was right before he went full parody. Yeah. Uh, he had just done Airplane up until now. So up until, so up until this point, he was still a very much noticed as a serious actor. I had a hard time coming into it because all I'd seen is comedic Leslie Nielsen. Yes. So I see his face and I'm like, come on, dude. Um, but then, you know, I'm thinking, okay, he had a dramatic career before this. And then he did a really good job. He did like, a great job. Erasing, like, comedic <laughs> Leslie Nielsen out of my brain. Like, now, he did a good job. Now, that being said, Leslie Nielsen was notorious for carrying a fart box with him. Oh, God. That was his thing. If you, you, you go out, he, like, he'll do, he was, like, interviews. He, he has it with him. And he said he would have this on set. And right before a take, he would, far, he would do it. And Ted Danson would crack up. Uh, I would hate to have him as a student. <laughs> <laughs> so it starts with uh, Ted Danson. Uh, Leslie Nielsen's knocking on his door. And Ted Danson lets him into his house. Mm-hmm. From what we gather, Ted Danson is having an affair with Leslie Nielsen's wife. Okay. It's like, we were going to tell you. And Leslie Nielsen is, he's playing it really weird. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's, he's like fiddling with Ted Danson's television. It's yeah. Like, some of the wires back here are loose. I'm surprised you haven't noticed it. He's like, I take back everything that's mine. It's yes. just holding oh, the TV so and like ha- looking at him. I was like, that's weird. Are you a repo man? Yeah. <laughs> well, so Ted Danson goes, even if you did love her, you don't love her now. And 
Leslie Nielsen has that chilling line. It goes, it's something like, I, it doesn't really matter if I love her or not. I keep what's mine. Mm-hmm. 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 Leslie Nielsen convinces Ted Danson that his his girlfriend, his you know, his mm-hmm. wife mm-hmm. is in trouble. Get dressed. I'll take you to see her. Mm-hmm. And, and he says, like, I'll, I promise you'll see her. I again. promise you'll see her. I always keep my promises. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they drive to this secluded beach. Leslie Nielsen brings Ted Danson up to this beach, and there's this hole on the beach. And Ted Danson immediately thinks, oh, no, he's buried her on the beach. He runs down there, and there is a hole. And while he's run down there, Leslie Nielsen has had a gun in his uh, ankle holster, and he Mm -hmm. pulls it out, tells Ted Danson, get in the hole. And he's like, no, you're not going to bury me alive. Yeah. (laughs) And he just kind of inches along. He's like, I'll shoot you. Okay, I'll do it. (laughs) And he's like, now cover yourself up. No, I'm not doing that. I'll shoot you. Okay. (laughs) Honestly, maybe if his... Maybe if, you know, his girlfriend, the, the, the woman was not in trouble, to me it would be like, you know what, why don't you shoot me because I do not want to be buried alive on the beach. It's, yeah. it's like obviously what he has planned yeah. is going to be much worse than being, than being shot between the eyes. Yeah. Uh, of course, he probably could maybe shoot him in the shoulder, push him anyway. So, yeah, but. yeah, yeah. He ends up burying Ted Danson up to his neck. Which is worse. Yes. Um, than just covering his whole body and waiting for the tide to yes. come in. He covers him up to his neck. So his little head's just poking yeah, out yeah. of the sand. <laughs> and he does this. And Leslie Nielsen gets down on the beach, and he's so his head is right next to Ted, uh, Ted Danson. And Ted Danson's facing the ocean. Facing the ocean. So he gets to see it. Yes. <laughs> and he goes, he makes this pile of sand. He goes, I could just make you go away and pushes his phone in his face and, and i noticed this so while that was happening i noticed that ted danson had a bunch of sand in yeah, his ear that yeah. would drive me insane yeah. it was like it was gone the next scene yeah but i'm sure it was just do you know if he was like buried like his body was buried it was like how'd they do it that? was like a box or something okay he was like kneeling in a box okay and he wasn't buried in sand okay because so. the whole time i'm watching this i'm like how'd they Sign off on this. Yeah. This is terrifying. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bet if they did bury Ted Dan, you know what? We're we're shooting this first because I know you need me for the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not um, shooting the ending first. We're, sh- well, we're shooting this. Yeah, this is my insurance. Yes. <laughs> so he's got sand in his ear. He throws it in his face. Um, he's got the TV with him. So, so he goes to uh, Leslie Nielsen leaves to go get a TV. Mm-hmm. So Leslie Nielsen owns this entire beach. Yeah, because Ted Danson's screaming help, help, and Leslie Nielsen's like, "Let me help you, help! <laughs> it's not gonna work. I own the whole beach." <laughs> and there are these monitors. Yeah, on the and they're they're way up on tr- uh, these giant tripods, so the water does not affect them. Yeah. And he comes back, and while he's gone, a crab has crawled right next to Ted Danson's face. <laughs> yeah, and he's away. he's like he's like um, like nodded off, right? Yeah. And so his eyes open. There's a crab there. <laughs> I don't, how if you're buried up to your neck on a beach? How do you go to sleep? How do you nod off? <laughs> I know. I don't know. Maybe the adrenaline just wore off. I, guess I don't so. know. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Um, and he comes back with this television and he sets up this television and it's his girlfriend Mm -hmm. and apparently she is buried down the beach and where the tide is already coming in Mm -hmm. so you can see on this monitor where the tide is coming covering her head and then back covering her 
ahead, going back. Becky. That's a great video. I love this stuff. Now just look at the quality of that picture, Harry. Somebody! Becky! No! Becky! Can't hear you. I'm sorry. She lost a coin toss. I had to bury her further down the beach. Couldn't even leave her a monitor. Would have shorted out by now. No, no. No, that's a trick. You son of a bitch! That's some, uh, some kind of a special effects trick, isn't it? If you just take a look at the VCR back there. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't turn your head. Let me assure you, Harry, the VCR is not on play. It's on record. I'm going to save this stuff. True, you're a part of my whole movie. You're insane. Oh, don't be lying now. Not long at all. Oh, my God. You are insane. But I promised that you'd see Becky again. I kept my promise. Is that insane? Oh, you bastard. You bastard. There's a chance you can get out of this, Harry. The tide might even set you free. It depends on how long you keep the pool, how long you hold your breath, you see, Harry. The water's so cold, so salty. You're underneath, and you're holding your breath, and you're waiting for that wave that's covering you to go on back out so you can snatch a quick breath. Before the next wave comes in. Well, you've got a chance, Harry. See if you don't lose your head now. It looks like she's losing hers, Dad. Oh, God, no! Feel how hard your heart is beating, Harry? How fast? Now, that's going to make it harder for you to hold your breath, isn't it? Ted Danson thinks it's a trick. I'm like, yeah. why would you think it's a trick? Yeah. You're, you're right. You're here buried up to your neck. Yeah. Why would this be a trick? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know he's trying to think of something. Yeah. I mean, we want to believe what you... gets us through. Yes. <laughs> so that that was terrifying to me, watching her and the water just coming up over her face and then over her entire head. And then when it recedes, the, the sand is all wet. And that stuff gets heavy. And she can't move. So I hope she's holding her breath. <laughs> And I was like, is this the same girl from the opening of Jaws? <laughs> just like he's getting dunked and dunked and dunked. She's just totally cool with this. That's terrifying. It's terrifying. It I is. don't know how they did it. It's it, so scary. There's a lot of things in this movie. It's like the, the actors had a lot of nerve to do it. Yeah. And then Leslie Nielsen, he, he delivers this line perfectly. He's like, um, the tide. And he's like, I gotta go. He's like, and Ted Danson's like, don't leave me, don't leave me. It's like, well, he did say, I promised you'd I prom see her look, again. Yes, I, and I and always I keep, keep my, my promises. promises. Yeah, I was like, oh, that is messed yeah. up, Leslie And he leaves Nielsen. the TV there. He's like, you can watch the TV as long, <laughs> you know, as before it shorts off. So he Ted Danson's like, change the channel, this is boring. <laughs> <laughs> and now we get Ted Danson. We get a couple of shots of his POV of the waves yeah. coming in and coming out. I don't remember. Does the water go over the camera? No, because okay. the cameras are up on the tripod. No, like the uh, the 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 movie. His his perspective. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It goes over the camera. <laughs> yeah. Leslie Nielsen drives back home. He has both of them on the monitors now. Because mm -hmm. he's got he's got monitors he, all over he, the place. He's, he's a little creep. Yes, he's high tech <laughs> for 1982. He he's got all he's he's got uh, beta. It looks like it was beta. I think it was beta. Anyway. But he, yeah, he's he's as high tech as he can get in 1982. Yeah, and he pours himself a drink, and he's watching him, and he starts to laugh, 
and I really like this scene. He starts to laugh, but then he has this look of, I don't know, regret? Mm -hmm. Like, like he, he feels bad for him. Uh, I, I thought that was, I thought that was a, like a nice character twist where even if it was for a moment, he felt regret about what he, what he did and what he is doing to them. But that all goes away when Ted Danson looks at the camera and goes, <laughs> Richard, I'm going to get you. <laughs> and then I'm like, that's not very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to get out of it. And there was a bucket on the beach, yes. too, that Ted Danson kept looking at, but then it got pulled out yes. um, with the tide. And he looked really optimistic and hopeful for a bit. And I was like, how are you going to get your arms out <laughs> yeah. of the sand to like, use this little bucket? It's a small bucket. It's a small bucket. And so, But yeah, him looking at the camera, I'm going to get you. I'm like, that don't do anything, Ted Danson. <laughs> Then there's this close-up of Ted Danson totally submerged with his hair floating. Yeah. And you just see him gasping his last breath. There's like seaweed everywhere. Yeah. He's got these big old eyes and yeah, his hair is floating because yeah. he's in so much water. <gasps> do they do that with him like upside down somehow? I like don't know. I don't know how that trick was done, uh, how that shot was done. See, I'm concerned about all of these things because yeah. it's genuinely scary. Well, they all they all made it, you know. yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know who the girl is. She, the girl made it. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> uh, she was in uh, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. George okay. Romero. Okay. The connection. Hey. hey. Uh, <laughs> so we cut to Leslie Nielsen at home, and he's watching He's watching W.C. Fields on television. The golfer. The, the, the golfer. The golfer. Uh, it's the old comedian. Okay. Yeah, W.C. Fields. <laughs> huge fan. So he's watching that. <laughs> don't stand where I tell you to stand. Stand where I tell you to stand. And... <laughs> Oh no no no! I'm sorry. We go. I'm, I messed up. We go back the next day. Uh -huh. The body, both bodies are gone. Well, he's. Is this before he's taking a shower? Yes. Okay. He goes. I gotta talk about that shower. Yeah. <laughs> he goes back to the beach to get his stuff, and they're both gone. Mm -hmm. And like you said, whatever helps you get through is oh the tide. The tide took him. He keeps talking to himself like yes. crazy. Tide took him. He picks up that little bucket. Okay. Yeah. And then he pours it out. He's like, yeah. Tide took them. Tide took them. It took them both? <laughs> you know? Yeah, let's see. Yeah, you buried him pretty deep. Yes. Ted Danson's pretty tall. Yeah. So he's going to be well-rooted. 6'2". He's no 5'9". <laughs> he is rooted in there. Yes, uh, you done buried Danson. Yes. He's not getting washed you done, away. <laughs> you done buried Danson. That's, that sounds like a, you done buried Danson. <laughs> he picks up all his equipment. He goes back home. Now he's lounging. And all this, yeah, and... He keeps, yeah. So he keeps hearing stuff. So he's a little jumpy. Yeah. So you naturally take a shower. Of course. <laughs> and that I don't know how tall Leslie Nielsen is. Six one. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's 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 a good height. And maybe that makes more sense for the shot. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with go, yes, the, right the story. Right but he gets in that shower. I'm like, why does the why does the door come up to his shoulder? Mm -hmm. And then why, I mean, he's tall, but why is the shower head like two feet over the top of the door? I'm like, what is this? What is this architecture? It has nothing to do with story, no. but it bothered me. <laughs> I guess so we can see his reactions yes. without putting the camera in the shower, but it still Do we was... want to see a naked, naked Leslie Nelson? Today, yes. <laughs> Today we'd do it, but 1982. No, not 1982, Leslie. There is no naked Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> So while he is 
taking a shower, we and I we see through the his closed circuit television doors opening. We had seen the silhouette in the yes. in the curtain before he went and right. showered. Okay, so something is there. Something's out there, and it's a nice contrast because all the televisions are in black and white. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and up like up to now in this movie, we've had really vivid color, yes. vivid colors. Yes. So just to see them, just to see these in black and white, fog or mist yeah. has come, and it just looks really cool. Door handles turns. And we see them, we see these two figures walking up the stairs while he's taking his shower. And they're all like seaweedy yes, and, thick and squishy and drippy. And squishy and yeah. drippy. And they're gonna have the voices too. Yeah. Yeah. So the first three <laughs> stories have these creatures that have a, a similar speaking uh, weird speaking pattern. Yeah. So and they're he, all like they're all like earthy and yes. goopy and drippy. <laughs> and drippy and <laughs> So Leslie Nielsen thinks he hears something in the shower. Mm-hmm. Which is impressive. Yes. <laughs> You're but in he, the bathroom with the shower but on. But he does something. It's very, very small. But he thinks he hears something. And he puts his hand over the, the spout oh, yeah, yeah. to keep the water from dripping so he mm-hmm. can hear better. And I was like, that was a little thing. But I thought it was really effective. It's yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's what you would do if you wanted to really try to hear something. I don't know if I could reach, but Leslie Nielsen Leslie can Nielsen, reach. one. <laughs> Ed Harris, maybe not. No, Ed Harris not would Ed have Harris, to jump. Unless he's... he showered in his cowboy boots. <laughs> in his cowboy boots. <laughs> but if he jumped barefoot, he'd slip and fall. And yes. Then, and, then, and, then, and then the and monsters then he, have nothing he to would, do. He just lie in the shower <laughs> for 15 minutes before getting up and moving. <laughs> monsters would come in. Aww. Uh, <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> so they're coming up the stairs. Well, he's in the shower. So in the previous one, we had... Stephen King took his clothes off to take a bath. Yeah. Here we take a shower. I think this is supposed to... You never feel more vulnerable than when you're naked. Yeah. I think. Because uh-huh. he puts a robe on. Yeah. And that's it. And we all feel vulnerable when we're naked. Yeah. And he goes to get a gun out of the... The drawer. And you know what's on top of the drawer? The ash... The ashtray? Damn. Where was it in the... In the Stephen King? Place? It was in the... In, was, in the mess, in his in hoarder's mess. nest. Yes. Okay. I thought I recognized it, yeah. but I had no idea yeah. that it... Okay, okay. He pulls a gun out, and, and what, it, it's just Ted Danson and the woman, they've come back, and they're, they're water zombies. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, Richard, and... I made a note. What? Um, so the, the girl was unrecognizable, but Ted Danson in prosthetics is still very much Ted Danson. Yes. <laughs> He's got a very strong forehead. <laughs> I was like, good job, good job. This is scary looking. There's Ted Danson. <laughs> they could have got stunt people to yeah. do it, but it looks like they got the real actors yeah. to do it. It's a really nice effect where he's shooting them in the head, Yeah. but water comes out. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very nice effect. Yeah, that was cool. And... And she keeps moving. Yes, they, they keep moving. They keep shuffling. This was like, I think this is the only time I've seen Leslie Nielsen having to act scared. I made that note. This is the only time I've seen terror on Leslie Nielsen's face. Yes. And he killed it. Yeah. He was unrecognizable. Right, exactly. It was amazing. And he locks himself in the bathroom and he turns around and they're in there with him. Mm-hmm. And then he goes from... Terrified to he loses it. He, yeah, he starts laughing. Then there's funny Leslie Nielsen yeah. <laughs> again. Nah, nah, he he sold it. <laughs> they end up burying him on the beach, uh-huh. and you see these footprints that go off into the ocean. Uh-huh. The final, you know, I can hold my breath <laughs> for a long time. 
ending. <laughs> you like that ending? Yeah. Okay. So do I. The original ending was uh -oh. Leslie Nielsen calls the police when they break in. The police show up. Leslie Nielsen tells them the story. And he goes, I have videotape to prove it. He plays the videotape. And the videotape shows him committing... Mm. you know burying his wife and Ted Danson mm -hmm. he goes to trial and gets convicted so that how was, long was this gonna be I don't know that was the original ending no no this is the ending this is what we want right yeah. here yes yeah I don't instant, care instant karma or I whatever I don't care about him instant going Hitchcock. to jail <laughs> yeah instant Hitchcock <laughs> instant Hitchcock yeah, I don't care about him going to jail. No, no, you don't want to see him go to jail. No, I want to see him die in yeah. a way that's still, like, my palms are sweating, like, yeah. remembering it. And I'm not even afraid of the water. <sighs> but I was afraid of quicksand growing up. Everybody's afraid of quicksand. I thought it was going to be a much bigger deal than it's, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I've never seen it. I thought quicksand was going to be everywhere. everywhere. I've never seen it in my life. I've never. <laughs> but, you know, so I guess that, that really brought me in. <laughs> Okay, excellent. And then uh, the, we get another transition into The Crate. Yeah. And this stars Hal Holbrook and Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau used to be John Carpenter's wife. So is she the obnoxious one? Yes. <laughs> she did a great job. She is the obnoxious one. So she's been in some John Carpenter movies. Are you familiar with The Fog? I... Have not seen it, but I they, know about it. Hal Holbrook and Adrian Barbeau both star in that movie. Okay. Which I believe was 1980, so this is a reunion for them. In this Hal movie. Holbrook, which character is Hal he? Hal Holbrook is his uh, the the he's the downtrodden the, husband. The pussy whipped. Yes, the pussy whipped husband. <laughs> and and Fritz Weaver. So the three main characters are Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau, and Fritz Weaver. Fritz Weaver is, is the professor. Yes. Okay. They are all, especially Hal Holbrook is a very very what well, he, he just died recently but he was a very very respected character actor all three of them were these were a-list actors okay uh maybe not at the peak of their career but so this movie is a nice combination of established actors and like ed harris and ted danson they're coming up coming up <laughs> um, so this starts off with a janitor uh -huh. flipping a quarter and then he like it rolls away i'm like it's a quarter, dude. Dude, I, I'd have gone after it. That's oh, okay. how I am. I, I would have totally gone after it. That's a quarter. It rolls under the stairs. There's this there's this gate, like like prison bars covering yes. the space under the stairs. And apparently somebody has been a, a shitty custodian. It's covered in cobwebs. And, yeah. And he shines his flashlight under the stairs, and he sees this crate, and it was an Arctic ex exposition from... 1864. 1864. There was an actual, I think it was, I looked it up and it was on an Australian website. Okay. Like, like, because I was like, was there really? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so that's a legit thing. So we cut to a party. Both Hal Holbrook <laughs> and Fritz Weaver are professors uh -huh. at this uh, university. I'm guessing that Adrian Barbeau works there too because she has a pass to get in. Unless she's got a plus one. Plus one. Anyway. So anyway. <laughs> she probably would have made him make an extra key so she could check on him. Yes. <laughs> the gist of it is Hal Holbrook is this pussy whipped husband and, and Adrian Barbeau is just this loud. Oh, just call me Billy. Everybody yeah, yeah. does. <laughs> she's drunk. She's at this party like She's drunk, drunk at this party. This party is very 
pinkies up party. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's a school like it's a university. It's a university. Affair. Yeah, it's a university affair. At the beginning of this, a young couple come mm-hmm. in and they introduce, and the woman goes, "My name is Tabitha." Uh-huh. Tabitha is the name of Stephen King's wife. Oh dear. So, and then she disappears, right? Yes, they're okay. just in there for a brief time. Okay. There was in this in this party, before we move on, in case we're getting close, <laughs> I noticed, I'd have to go back and look at it, but um, when Billy's talking and she's, like, complaining about somebody, when she says crotch, some, she's calling somebody a miserable crotch or something. And she's trying I, to think of Emily Post. Yeah, that, that uh, etiquette crotch. There. <laughs> it... I'd have to look at it again, but it looked like it was a voiceover for something much more offensive. Oh, <laughs> well, okay. Maybe so, I'm just seeing things and I, I no, want no, to believe. Well, okay, so here's something I want to bring up. Up to this point, the movie could have been PG. Everybody is saying freaking yeah. in this movie. Yeah, until we, uh, when we, But that stops. But yeah. Up until this point, everybody's saying freaking instead mm-hmm. of fucking. It's mm-hmm. like, that freaking this, freaking that. Uh-huh. So, yes, so up to this point, the movie could have been PG. From this point on, it could not have been PG. Yeah. <laughs> so why didn't they leave that in? If that's what I was seeing, they should have left it, it in. They should. What did you see? C-U-N-T. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, it, you know what? It I'm, looked like that's what she said, but I might be completely off. Maybe I just wanted her to say that because I wanted her to really, like, solidify herself as, like, a... That might have been... <laughs> People, people are listening, they're going to be like, she's an idiot, Hitchcock. <laughs> it's been done before. I've seen it in movies where they have replaced, where you can obviously see they're, seeing, they're saying another. Now I'm going to have to take, go back and take a look at it. <laughs> Let me know, and then I'll apologize, and you can no, like, no. send out an apology to your listeners. <laughs> Fritz Weaver, one of the other, uh, his wife died a couple of years ago, and apparently he's been hooking up with the Dalliances. Yes. I, I looked it up. He and I are the same age in this movie. Okay. He's my age in this movie. Okay. Which means that the, the students are in the... It, it, to me, it's not 54 and a 26-year-old fine, but these are students. He's in a, you know... He's in an authority he's position. He's in an authority position. That's what's wrong. with It's not the age difference. As long as they're legal, that's fine. It's that the fact that he's in an authority position. Yeah. Well, it is 1982. It is not. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, uh, it, it would be definitely very problematic and left out now. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely. I mean, unless that was part of the plot. Yeah. Of, of the movie. Yeah, but this really didn't have anything to do with anything. This had nothing to do with, with it. Just yeah, the, it was just like peppered in there. It is. Well, he... They do use that later. Yes, um, yes. So it does yes, have it does true. have a reason. Well, it could be like a lie. It could be. It didn't have to be confirmed by, yeah. Anyway, well, but that's at the end. Because <laughs> the reason it works is there is a scene where Fritz Weaver is flirting with mm-hmm. a younger woman. Yeah. And Adrian Barbeau sees this. Oh, Billy sees it. Billy yeah. sees it. And she's like, and I'm like, is she jealous? Yeah. Or, you know. Does she... It was hard. Like, she was one note across yeah. the board, which... You know, makes sense uh, for the like, character, but she, I couldn't. Does she want him hitting on her, or does yeah. she find it disgusting? I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, but so, so there is a scene where she recognizes that this is happening. Yeah. Fritz Weaver gets a phone call from the janitor. Doc, I found something. Yeah. Maybe you should come here. He goes. He leaves the 
to investigate what the call is. What was what was good for me, like to prepare for this, was they had mentioned that they got a new zoology student. So I guess this was a zoology professor. Yes. So maybe that's why these people would have like access to this thing that would be shoved under the stairs. Maybe. Okay. Sorry if that was a spoiler. No, no. <laughs> like, if people are listening to this, they've probably seen this movie. Okay, okay. <laughs> if not, yeah, then that, it's 82. What, where have you been? Yeah, you, you, the, the expiration date yes. has passed. <laughs> right after he leaves, Hal Holbrook has a daydream where he yeah. he takes out a gun and blows Billy away. Yeah. And everybody starts applauding. Well, they're all standing there as she like falls down. And I put in my notes, I was like, Shouldn't people be screaming and okay. running? But then I found out it was okay, a daydream. So what, I thought it was for real. You I was, was for like, real when it wow, <laughs> look at him, look at him. And I was like, why isn't anybody moving? Is this some kind of weird, like, like you know, I don't know, what's the, the purge? Yeah. Like, are these the purge people where they're like, all right, that's normal, you know? <laughs> but it, but it was a daydream. It was a daydream, <laughs> and then she starts berating him again. Uh huh. And she kept saying. I don't know, I feel like they could have done more with her dialogue because she just kept saying, you're such a kid, what would you do without me? Like, I'd have to go back through and if I took a shot every time she said that, I'd probably die. <laughs> we go back to the, uh, to the lab. And the professor who's dallying with the female students is there with the janitor. And uh, what does he use? There's a flashlight and he's shining it in through that, that prison bar gate. And then he has to look through all of the, oh, that bothered me. This character kept blowing on stuff. Yeah. He blew on everything. <laughs> He's like blowing there on the cobwebs. And then there's when they're breaking the crate open later, he's blowing on yeah. on uh, on the lock. He's blowing in the little crack well, they open up. So it's, to me, it was like this crate was not was not that well hid. 147 years, yeah. nobody has found this. And I guess the university's been around that long? Or has it been moved? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, this crate is under the stairs. Yeah, and there's nothing in the inventory. They should know what's coming in and it's out like of there. It's their not even covered campus. by a tarp. It's no. Like any, uh, <laughs> it's covered so, by cobwebs. Yes. <laughs> in the grate, not on the crate itself. No. <laughs> they get the crate out mm -hmm. and uh, they get it into the lab. They start to open it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 Poor guy. <laughs> yes. Once again. Well, this it's, it's sort of his own fault. Kind of like the Darwin thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You're absolutely right. Because he he goes. It sounds like something has shifted in yeah. there. Yeah. It sounds like something has moved on its own. Yeah. This janitor makes that. Yeah. Makes that clear. <laughs> they get the chains off. They get the nails out, and he. They crack it open, uh -huh. and he sees there's something shining in there. And then he just reaches his Maybe head. it's a couple of emeralds. He said that. He goes, uh, maybe there are a couple of emeralds or something like that. Yeah. They were yellow. Or whatever, <laughs> diamonds, something. Okay. He goes, maybe there are a I would, I would believe him saying emeralds. He's not yeah. that bright. <laughs> he reaches he shoves his, his whole arm in yes, there. Yes, and like, ugh. so the thing, whatever's in the crate, grabs his arm. I'd do the same thing if I were in a crate for over a hundred years yeah. and somebody starts reaching in there. I'd get out of my house. And the professor starts trying, you know, he gets thrown to the ground. What happens is the crate gets turned on its side 
so the janitor's arm is sticking straight up yeah. into the crate, yeah. and it was uh, it was a very nice. I liked the the, the yes, pouring. The, the the pouring of the blood, and he's in shock. Yeah. See, I thought he was dead. But yeah. yeah. But then the monster pulls him up into mm-hmm. the crate. Yeah. And it's got to be a small monster to fit a full-grown man, yeah, but it's but, not. <laughs> and I'm guessing that he's eating. You know, he, he can't. There's no room in the crate. Yeah. So he is devouring him yeah. whole <laughs> as he just <laughs> up into the crate. I made a note of that too because it's bothered me for a while. When you see a monster eat a person live, where do they put the clothes? Do yes. they just eat the clothes eat too? The, uh, and like it gets in their intestines and stuff. <laughs> when an owl eats a bird, he eats it whole, uh-huh. and then its body, like the feathers and bones and all that, it gets stuck in the gizzard? It puts it, it, it like makes it into a ball, and then the owl spits out the ball. Okay. So it consumes everything, everything that's not digestible is, the, the owl gets rid of. Okay. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're following this monster, and we know that that's the monster shit, because look, there's some overalls. <laughs> yes. And then you can kind of identify who the who the victim is. Oh, those, right. are, those are Nikes. Those are overalls. <laughs> what we haven't uh, established is that they're in the basement of the... Of I forget the, the name. Of the school. Yeah. And there is a grad student working there. Yeah, the, the zoologist. The zoologist. Yeah. And it's a student, and he's gone... He's gone out to get something to eat, so he's not here while this happens. But he's very dedicated. He's very, very yeah. dedicated. The monster eats the janitor, <laughs> pulls him up into the crate, yeah. and the professor freaks out, runs out into the hall, and a student is coming in. I want to know what the script was for that professor, because when he's freaking out, it's literally gibberish. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know, was he trying to do uh, like lines, or was he just like, because <laughs> that's what he sounded like. <laughs> I appreciate that the student looked like a student. Mm-hmm. Not, we didn't get George Clooney or... Yeah. Because nowadays, maybe it would probably would have been a, a chiseled, not that not that a chiseled, good-looking guy couldn't be a student, but you get the nice stereotypical nerd student. Yeah, he, he's like in his twenties, but he's already got a receding hairline. He's he's a little bit overweight. He's got glasses. It's like this is somebody. He's got pens and pencils pens and in pencils. his pocket. This is what somebody would look like who doesn't get out, doesn't get exercise, and spends most of its time, most of his time, indoors under fluorescent light. Yeah, because it's late at night. Yes. and he's gone out and grabbed dinner, and he's back to he's work back again. In. Yeah, the professor runs out. And while this is happening, the thing has gone back into the crate and has moved the crate back under the stairs. And the professor says, oh, when they get there, he's like, oh, it's gone back to where it's felt safe for so long. And I was like, he doesn't know he's under the stairs. He knows he's in the crate. So just get back in the crate. (laughs) He got back in the crate and he moved himself under the stairs. While this is happening, we cut back to Hal Holbrook's house, and Billy, his wife, is going out for the night mm-hmm. because the professor's supposed to come over. They're supposed to play chess. And yeah. She doesn't want to be there. And then we get another... Back at the party when the professor was going to like hook up later that night with the girl, and she was the one inviting him out, mm-hmm. um, that's when Hal Holbrook... Brooke yes. came up and he's like, I thought we were playing chess. So I kind of feel like he he had an eye on his buddy. He's yeah. like, you should come over here. Yeah, like, yeah so he's going to come over and play chess. And Billy's like, I don't want to be here. And then we get another fantasy where he strangles her with his tie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was really starting to enjoy those. <laughs> 
now we have established that Hal Holbrook is alone in the house. Yes. So we have established that. We go back to the college. The student, he wants to find out what's in the box. Yeah. What's in the crib? What's, what's in, in the, the box? box? <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we're nerds. so there's a yeah. so there's a chewed up boot in front of the box. Yes. And the flashlight, and he grabs the flashlight. Yanks it out of there as fast as Ed Harris yes. should have rolled away yes. from if the Ed Harris was there, he'd just be lying there <laughs> waiting for the shoe to come to him. He throws the shoe to the professor, and it's all chewed up. Mm-hmm. And then the nerd, it's like the professor, it's like the, the intellectual takes over, and he crawls under the stairs. The creature is not in the crate. It's under the stairs, and it attacks him. It's clever. And this is where, and this is the gore. It, it's been pretty gore-free until we get to this point. Yeah. Now we get the gore. And the gore and the special effects was done by Tom Savini, who uh, Friday the 13th, okay. uh, 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 Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Tom Savini plays one of the garbage men at the end of the film. Okay. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay. Oh, cool. The and, ones who, like, find the... That's fun. Uh, uh, but Tom Savini, is, uh, what, like, he's the master of practical effects. I really liked, so I'm thinking specifically of the monster. I really like that they use like a like physical can touch monster. I know yeah. that the um, CGI really came around with like Jurassic Park and stuff, but if this were done now, they would just CGI the monster. Yeah. So like it was really refreshing for me to see this really scary monster as an yeah. actual thing. And it bites its ne- bites the student's neck. And it's a beautiful bite yeah. that it takes out of him too, because he's got the half the half of his face is the prosthetic, and then it's just this beautiful <laughs> pattern of the bite. It's great. <laughs> and he, he pulls him in there. He pulls him into the crate and eats him. And so the professor runs to Hal Holbrook's place. And he tells him the story, and eventually he tells him the story. Yeah, after he stops gibbering. Yes. Well, he he pours him a bunch of shots. Yes. Well, maybe not a bunch, but he pours him some liquor to calm him down, which is important. Yes, that's going to be important later. (laughs) So he's pouring him shots. He's like, calm down, calm down, calm down. Tell me what's uh, tell me what's happening. Mm -hmm. And he tells him what's happening, and Hal Holbrook believes him. And so he formulates a plan. He, he <laughs> drugs the professor. Yeah. Which, so he goes up to his bathroom medicine cabinet. Right. He pulls something out that it looks, it's, it's a capsule. But I was wondering back in the day, were they that easy to twist open to pour the powder out? <laughs> they, I, I think they were. And I think that's why today it's harder Good. to do that. Yes. That's not smart. <laughs> no. I, I believe it. that's one of the reasons why it is harder now. Okay. They have actually made it harder to pull. You've tried. No. <laughs> I watched. The, I watched the forensic files. Okay. And they said what you said. Okay. It was set later it's like do you know how hard it is to pull apart all these capsules yeah. because uh, a husband killed his wife and he pulled apart like a dozen capsules couldn't he just cut them maybe i don't know <laughs> that's silly but they pulled them <laughs> apart and they said these are very the policeman said these are very very hard to pull apart okay. so yes they are now harder to pull apart okay. <laughs> good <laughs> <laughs> and he drugs his friend's drink mm-hmm. and he passes out and then he goes to the the school yeah and he starts cleaning up the mess. He's doing it with a mop. And my note there, I'm just watching that just, you know, I'm a Swiffer. I'm in the <laughs> Swiffer age, right? 
I'm sitting there watching him just slop around mm-hmm. the blood, and then he's got to put it in the mm-hmm. bucket and clean it off and slop it around. And I put in my notes that mopping is a terrible way to clean. Yeah. <laughs> well, this, I mean, so this is 81, 82, so this is before luminol. Yeah, all they would yeah, yeah do, that too. All they'd have to do is spray. <laughs> so he's cleaning up. So while this is happening, we, we sort of get a, a, a split screen here or, or dual. He's cleaning up. Billy comes home. And he has left her a note saying that really detailed. Really detailed. His professor friend has got basically what he's saying is he has sexually assaulted a student. He yeah. he got a student back to the college and their false pretenses false pretenses and has sexually assaulted her. Yeah. And he needs her to come to the college to help him out. What's nuts is when she's reading this note. She goes and pours herself a big old glass of milk yeah. and then puts a bunch of liquor in there. And then she's just drinking her drink and laughing as she's reading this note. And then when she goes and gets in her car, she's driving she's with her driving glass with of milk. Milk. And she shows up at the she college with a glass, glass of, of, milk. of milk bourbon. It's like, it's like okay, lady. They call that a Hitchcock. <laughs> um, it is now. It is now. Bourbon and milk is a Hitchcock. Uh. I love it. So she's just like laughing. She's, she's like, laughing. oh, because she loves gossip. She she's loves just a gossip. Really and I don't think person. she likes him. And so, so that, that must. So we're still not sure if she was sure. jealous or disgusted. Maybe, but it does get her to the college. Yeah, and he's able to clean up the mess. She gets there the minute, and he's trying to explain to her that this girl is. She's hidden under the stairs. She's, she's in the dark. She doesn't she's want to in come the dark. Out. Gets his wife. And he's just laughing. He's just laughing. And she's he's like, just, "What is the problem?" He's like, oh, "You just got to see it yourself." And he's like, "Why are you going to be laughing if you're saying he, somebody was attacked?" He can't. He knows what's going to happen to his wife, and he can't control himself. Yeah. He's like, "Oh, it's almost going to happen." Yeah. And that's why he's so giddy. Yeah. He's like, he knows what's going to happen to her. And it's like, Billy, are you that thirsty for gossip? Yeah. Go I, away. The thing is, I don't think. She doesn't think how, of how Holbrook as a threat at all. Okay. And I think that's it. He's just He's a, just a dummy. He's just a spineless yeah. coward. She doesn't think of him as a threat at all. Mm-hmm. And he <laughs> able he's able to get her up against the crate and he starts slamming her against wake the crate. Up, wake, wake up, wake up, whatever's wake in up. there. And she's just like flopping around. And, and I'll give it to it, it, it sounds it, it looked like he was really slamming her. Yeah. So I give her credit. Yeah. She I think she was really taking it against the crate. Yeah. So to speak. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, and he's just like slamming her, and she's just sitting there taking it. She's just sitting there, and he's like, "Wake up, whatever's in there." It's like, dude, if I were you, Billy, especially if I were Billy, I'd be smacking him. I'd be like, "What are you doing?" Well, so he gets, so the thing doesn't wake up, and he's disappointed. And, yeah, and then she starts berating him, you mm-hmm. know, basically saying that he's a loser, he's no good in bed, he's no good at making money. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs>
great, Henry. That was just great. You think this is a Friday night fight? Huh? <sighs> is that what you think? You want to see some real punching? <sighs> Same old Henry, afraid of your own shadow. You know what, Henry? You're a regular barnyard exhibit. Sheep's eyes, chicken guts, piggy friends, and shit for brains. No good at departmental politics. No good at making money. No good at making an impression on anybody. And no good at all in bed. When was the last time you got it up, Henry? Huh? When was the last time you were a man in our bed? Now get out of my way, Henry, or I swear to God you'll be wearing your balls for earrings. And I swear to God, if you ever touch me... Oh, just... Just tell it to call you Billy. She says, if you ever lay your hands on me again, I will use your balls as earrings. Yeah. It's like, wow, that's, she's thought that one out for a while. Yeah. Then that's and gross. The, <laughs> and then the minute that the creature pops out, mm -hmm. grabs her, and starts eating her, uh -huh. and he's like, oh, just tell her to call, tell her to call you Billy. <laughs> Everybody else does. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I liked that. So he lets her, he lets the thing eat her, he rechains up the crate. It's like reaching his little fingers yes, out. Yes, it's. And he's yeah. like, he like jumps back. He's got the padlock on the links, but it's not closed. And the fingers are coming out. He like jumps back, and I'm like, just move as fast as Ed Harris should yes. have, and then get away. <laughs> Loads the the crate up into the the, the Griswold station wagon. Yeah. <laughs> he drives it to a like a what's that called? I, I forget what it's good. Like a like a gully, a gully, no. something like that. Where it's it, got cliffs and it's then got cliffs and it's got water. water at the and he pushes the crate reservoir. off. Reservoir. Reservoir. Yes, he pushes the crate off into the reservoir. He comes back home to his friend. He basically tells his friend what he did, and they sort of have this agreement. It's like you gonna say nothing. I'm not gonna say anything. Mm -hmm. You gonna say? Mm -hmm. But now his friend looks at Hal Holbrook differently. Uh huh. Like, I would. <laughs> You use this opportunity to get rid of your wife. And, uh, it's understandable. Yeah. <laughs> and, but at the end, we see the creature bust out of the crate. Yeah. It survived a hundred and yeah. something years with no food. You think it's going to drown. Ooh, now we go to the last one. They're creeping up on you. Yeah. And this is E.G. Marshall. Once again, another character, uh, Hollywood character actor, been around for years. And he is in this secure, germ-free penthouse. Yeah. He's like a quintessential evil businessman. <laughs> that would just be, just put that on his door. Yeah. Evil businessman. <laughs> he wrecks people's lives. He doesn't care. He does it all from his apartment. And the, it's just white. It's just it's sterile. It's just white. It's yeah. just sterile white. Yeah. All of his apartment is white. And he finds a cockroach in there. And he just goes nuts because a cockroach shouldn't be in there. So he's trying to find... He's spraying it. He's spraying. That's what I do when I see a cockroach. <laughs> I just sit there. I remember one time I was in this... Um, I was renting a room in this very old house. And I saw like a big old like three-incher come out of my dresser. And then 
crawl across the wall and I grabbed my can of Raid and I legit followed it across the wall. I spent half a can of Raid chasing this motherfucker down. And anytime I see one now, I'm like, fuck, no, not in my house. And I get mad. <laughs> but, that's what he, but that's exactly what he said. Fuck, no, not in my house. Does he? No, but I mean, oh. that's, that's his attitude. It's like, I shouldn't have. I get mad. Yeah. I'm like, how dare you be Well, here? he got mad at these. And the thing is, he associates people with bugs as well. Yep. Everybody is beneath him. Yep. Is that what he meant when he said, I've dealt with bugs my whole life? Yes. Because I thought he meant legitimate bugs. And well, like... yes and no. Because he said he grew up in Hell Kitchen. <laughs> oh, right. Yes. So it was both. He, okay. dealt, he has dealt with bugs and he has dealt with bugs. Okay. <laughs> uh, E.G. Marshall is just like, fuckity fuck fuck. It's like, get the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Where the, why the fuck is there cockroaches in my $3,200 a month fucking up? You know, fucking penthouse apartment. So he just lets the profanity yeah. fly. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. This, he is a he is a great character. I love this character. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I mean, this is the way he played it. Yeah. Uh, they did a nice job. Whenever a person, because he's basically the only person in this in this episode, except for the 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 doorman the, that he is awful. But so tangent real quick. So this is Stephen King, nineteen eighty two. The Boogeyman just came out, and it's based on Stephen King short, short story. Yes. So I read that short story, mm-hmm. and this was in the '70s, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, this is '70s type language. There's <laughs> stuff in there." I was like, "Oh boy, I feel bad for reading this." Like from like names, right. he's calling people. So, not surprised. Not surprised. Not at happy, all. but not surprised. <laughs> they do do a nice doo doo. <laughs> So instead, uh, of, said instead of speaking to himself, he gets a lot of phone calls during this. Yes. So that, I thought, was a very clever way I like to that. have him being able to talk and get exposition out. Yeah. But he's not talking out loud to himself like people probably wouldn't do in that situation. Because a lot of the stories have had people talking to themselves. I know Leslie Nielsen did. Yes. Um, Stephen King, I mean, yeah. most of the part. He's the only one in He's there. He's the only one there. Yeah, that made me... Uh, yeah. So this was a very clever way for him to be able to talk without yeah. talking to himself. Yeah, I like that. One of his business associates has committed suicide because he has taken over his company. And... The, the cockroach guy took over his company? The cockroach guy <laughs> took over his company, and he has committed suicide. And while okay. all this, he's like... he. I want the building maintenance man to be here in a half an hour. Yeah. If not, he can stay. He can take his whole fucking family on vacation with his fucking welfare welfare check next year. So this, I mean, this is yeah. like, this is just pouring <laughs> out of his mouth. Yeah. So he he gets a phone call from the the dead man's wife. Reynolds, wife, talk to me. I just called to tell you what a monster you are, Mr. Pratt. And how I will rejoice when you're finally dead. Lots of people are going to rejoice when I'm dead. Who are you? Senor Kassenmeyer. I'm the wife of the man you you murdered this afternoon. Mrs. Katzenmeyer, how are you? I hope they keep hell hot for you. You son of a bitch. I hope they do. It wasn't enough for you to drive him to his knees, was it? No, you had to kill him as well. He came home, and his, and his eyes, his eyes were so dead. I asked him what was wrong, what could be so bad to make his eyes look that way. And, and, and the only word he could say was your name. Ten minutes later, 
I heard the shot. Yes. George Genron told me old Norman went out with a bang. How many men have you destroyed? How many men have you killed, you monster? Only the stupid ones. Only the ones who handed me a knife and then stretched out their throats. Only the ones who, if you'll pardon the expression, fucked up. <laughs> now, excuse me, I've got this bug problem, so we'll have to defer your charming conversation for another time. I hope you die. By the way. I hope you get cancer in the worst place. This is Katzenmeyer. Leprosy. Screaming hell for This is Katzenjammer. Would you mind telling me who gave you my private number? I'd like to fire him. He was in my husband's address book, you son of a bitch. Oh. Well, I can't fire him, can I? And she's like, I hope you rot in hell. Mm -hmm. And he's just so flippant about this man committing suicide. He's just so flippant it's about it. It's not the first time. Come no, on. It's he's not, not, not special. He's a, <laughs> he does have a great line. He's like, uh, I'll, she says, I'll be glad when you're dead. And he goes, a lot of people will be glad. Yeah. <laughs> you're not hurting me. Yeah. Come yeah, on. You're not hurting me with your words. <laughs> he ends every phone call with, I can't talk to you right now. I got to deal with this bug problem. Mm -hmm. More and more cockroaches start showing up in his apartment. Mm -hmm. And he starts spraying them. And... At one point, he makes himself, he's a, he's a germaphobe, mm -hmm. and he makes himself, I guess, this health dish or whatever. He Cuisinart, yeah. he Cuisinarts it. Yeah, it was like quinoa Cuisinart yes. or something. And he's eating it, and he finds cockroaches in his food, and he dumps out the grain that he was, and there's, so there's cockroaches They're in his food. They're crawling out. Everywhere. They're not dead. They're, They're not crawling dead. out of his food. They're crawling out of his food. <laughs> Oof. And so all through this, he's getting phone calls it's like uh, uh, i'm in the building we can get we can get an exterminator up here because he's like i want that exterminator like within 30 minutes 30 or minutes. something and mr white and it's kind of ironic that the 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 black man who he is degrading is called mr white <laughs> he's like mr white and he talks to him very mr white i think people like you and he does, he goes, I think people like you go far in the custodial business. Like the service the industry service or industry. whatever. And he just doesn't leave it like, the, most people would leave it right there. Yeah. He goes, because you're colored. Yeah. It was like, most people would leave that insult. Like I, people like you would go far in the service industry. Yeah. Not him. He goes, because you're colored. Yeah. I was like, wow. I was I was like, like oh shit. <laughs> it's the character. Yeah. This is just more ammo for us to hate him. Yeah. Which works. Yeah. Like we said, his apartment is completely white. Oh, so, so with, it's a really good contrast. It's a really good contrast with the cockroaches crawling all You can keep track of them you everywhere. Can, you can see them everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And there's a couple of nice scenes where he has a skylight, where the so he's, they're, the, they're casting the shadows yeah. of the cockroaches on him. It's it's the worst part of um, you know when you look up into your like the fluorescent lights or whatever, and there's little dead bugs up in yeah. there. Yeah. These ones are on steroids yeah. and alive. <laughs> and they're coming up out of the drain, which I really liked yeah. because cockroaches and moisture. Yes. Oh, uh, and then the, uh, the Mr. White, when he was like, oh, you got a bug problem, do you? And I was like, did he put them in there? I hope so. But I don't think it ever. I don't think it. it, it so, and, the, and, now, and then the, there's a power outage. So yeah. now he's alone in the dark. With all, there's a lot of cockroaches in this With a movie. lot of cockroaches in there. Has he found at this point that the spray, the spray just, doesn't work? It just stuns them. It just stuns so them. So then he's got to go. And stomp so he's them stomping them, but there's just so many. Yeah. 
he has a panic room, mm-hmm. I'm guessing, mm-hmm. and he goes into the panic room because he has backup power. His apartment has backup power. Yeah. Because the uh, the the maintenance man can't get up there because he's caught in the he's stuck in the elevator. Stuck in the elevator. Yeah. There's no power. So he has auxiliary power. He opens up the panic yeah, room. He gets into the panic room, and then he starts talking. Now, now here I would I could see him talking to. He's yeah. like, oh, he's kind of like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, oh, I'm gonna get every single one of you. Mm-hmm. I could see at this point him yeah. talking to the bugs because he's yeah for sure. <laughs> That's <And> stressful. <laughs> the phone rings and it's the dead man's wife mm-hmm. and she starts taunting him. And while she's taunting him, he looks over at the bed. And the, the sheet is moving. It, yeah, in the panic room. Which yeah, is in like the panic room. airtight. Airtight. Yeah. He pulls back the sheet and there's just cockroaches. Just thousands and thousands of cockroaches. And while he's getting overrun with cockroaches, we hear the, the, the woman just, it's like she knows what's going on right now. Oh. Somehow she knows. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> Power comes back on. Apartment back to being pristine. Mm-hmm. Mr. White is at the door. Mm-hmm. E.G. Marshall, he would have when he would answer the phone. You go, talk to me, mm-hmm. and that was his thing. So whenever the phone would ring, talk to me. So Mr. White is at the door. He's like, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. I forget what his name was, but mm-hmm. yeah, talk to me. So he's using his own lingo against him. <laughs> and then we cut to the panic room, and E.G. Marshall is lying there on the bed, and then he starts bleeding from his temple. Mm-hmm. And then roaches to start pouring out of his mouth, pouring out of his chest. Mm-hmm. Beca- They're before, like bubbling under his skin. Right. Before, before they come out, they start bubbling under his skin. <laughs> and they just start pouring his out. His skin rips. and just... His skin rips. And then we see the panic room is just filled with roaches. And, and then that's where that one uh-huh. ends. Uh-huh. And then we get the, the bumper. With the, we, get, we go back to the dad from the beginning of the movie. Oh, no, no. We get the garbage man. Yeah. And they're collecting the garbage. And one of the garbage men, the guy with the headphones, is Tom Savini, okay. the makeup guy. And they pick up the comic book, and they start leafing oh, cool, through it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, cool. Oh, somebody ordered a voodoo doll. Yep. Because they were like, oh, we can send away for this stuff. Yes. Oh, no, somebody already ordered yes, that one. <laughs> and then we cut to the home. And it must be set around Halloween, because there's a pumpkin in yeah. the window. So I'm yeah. guessing it's set around Halloween. Yeah. That's and a good homage to yes, Halloween. Yes, absolutely. Very good. The dad has got a rough neck. He's mm-hmm. like, ah, I didn't sleep well last night. Mm-hmm. And the wife is like, oh, you big bear. And She seemed to be taking pleasure in his pain a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. So I was like, is she the one doing it? Because well, she's, she's mad doing, at him. She's for... doing the laundry, yeah. and she picks up a shirt, and she sees like a hole cut in the shirt. Mm-hmm. So she just doesn't question it. <laughs> and then we cut upstairs, and his son has ordered the voodoo doll, mm-hmm. and has... What I really like was you need a portion of the person's clothing. That's what he's done. He's taken a portion of his dad's shirt, wrapped it around the voodoo doll, and is stabbing him in the at neck. Him. Yeah. <laughs> he's stabbing him in the throat. Uh-huh. And that'll teach you to take my comic yeah. away. <laughs> and then that's it. The credits roll. Yeah. And that's Creep Show. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I enjoyed the movie. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I like to watch it all the time. But now is the point. So which is more gooder? Which out of the five stories do you think is the goodest? I was really hoping the cockroach one would be, because I am terrified of cockroaches. But I kind of got, like, I don't know, fear blind to it, because he didn't, like, increase his level throughout, and there was just so many cockroaches, it just kind of became noise, and I was like, okay. Um, So... Not that one. Not Stephen King. I didn't like watching him. (laughs) 
Um, I think I liked Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson because that was terrifying. That was legit terrifying. That's, that's the one I'm going with yeah, too. Something to tide you over. Yes. That is my favorite. Because that's something somebody could legitimately do. Yes. That's a I danger. did like the cockroach. Like I said, I like them all. I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the Stephen King one either. <laughs> I, I, I did like them all. I think Father's Day, just the fact that it's first, you know, you sort of, by the time you get to the end, you sort of forget about it. Yeah. Um, and, and you're not used to the, the vibe yet. You're not used to the vibe yet. Once you get yeah. into the, it's, this is the equivalent of a comedy contest where you want that sweet spot of three or yep. four. You don't want yep. to be first. You you're... don't want to be last. Yes, exactly. You want to be right there in the middle exactly. where they're warmed up. They've, they've seen enough. They're warmed up and they're not too tired at the end. Exactly. That's exactly where this one fell. And I agree with you. Something to tide you over. That is, I think, is the most goodest. Now, it's a, in my opinion, I think it's a great movie <laughs> from start to finish. I, I, you know, I, I really did like we had mentioned earlier how it kind of like fades in, uh, fades out the comic book stuff, which is interesting because, you know, they still had the, the backgrounds and the lights and yes. everything. But it then also ramped up the gore and the language. So yes. it kind of goes from like comic book and then crosses over into like, wow, this is like some adult gore. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was very well done. I didn't have much faith at the beginning because the first two were not a lot of, I was like, oh, what am I watching? Scott, what did you make me watch? <laughs> but then, yeah, by the end, I was like, all right, okay. yeah, this is great. Excellent. All right, so we both decided that something to tide you over is the goodest. Where can we find you on social media? Or is there anything you want to promote, I should say? Um, so there is a new improv theater here in Houston called the Coronation Theater that's over on Rusk Street. Um, it's owned and run by Sara Pandey, who's also uh, yes. a staple in the Houston improv community. Mm -hmm. So he just opened his theater. Um, I'm working bar and box over there. And then uh, you're gonna see some of the very, 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 very best improvisers in Houston performing there Saturdays at 7.30. And they're gonna be starting to do classes here in a bit as well. It's long form improv. Um, they have somebody come in, tell a story, and then they improvise that on there. So I'm in the box and at the bar. Um, I'm hoping to get, um, so my partner, Connor Farrell, and I have a company called Powder Keg Productions, where we do sketch shows and film festivals. In, uh, coronavirus kind of messed mm. that up, but we got our plans to get ramped up again. We're on YouTube, Powder Keg Productions. You can see our funny stuff. Um, and then keep an eye out for us because we're gonna be coming back around. All right. Excellent. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening and we'll see everybody here next time on the Which is More Gooder podcast. Bye. To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash Scott White and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Which is More Gooder podcast. This has been a Cross the Streams Media Podcast. By the way, Cassie was right. She did say cunt. They overdubbed it with crotch.